Well, open your Bibles to Mark chapter 1, or you can follow along on the screen, or you can use your Liberty Church app, or you can use the YouVersion Bible app, wherever you want to go. Mark chapter 1, verse 14 and 15. We're going to continue our series today called Kingdom Culture. I hope you guys have enjoyed this series as much as I've enjoyed preaching it. I feel like I've really grown. I feel like God is continually enlarging things on the inside of my heart as we've been working through this series together. The Bible says this. It says, Now after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. Preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand, so repent and believe in the gospel. So we ask this question, what is a kingdom culture? We said a kingdom culture is a culture that is defined by the kingdom of God. It's a culture that says we are who God says we are, we have what God says we have, and we can do what God says we can do. And that's really the heart of this message. It's about coming to a place of alignment and agreement with God where we actually begin to believe and live like we are who God says we are. How many know you are loved and you are chosen and you are accepted? You're not rejected. You're not abandoned. You're not forsaken, right? You're not forgotten. I don't care what your flesh tells you. Here, here's the realization. As long as you allow the exteriors of the world to define the interior condition of your heart, you're going to live a roller coaster Christian life. You're going to live this lifestyle of inadequacy and insecurity. Because the world will always tell you you're not enough, you're not good enough, you're not smart enough, you're not pretty enough, you're not strong enough, you're not wise enough, you're not a enough. The world focuses on undermining our identity in Christ. We are living in a world at war with the kingdom of God, right? There is a kingdom of darkness that is at war with the kingdom of God that is living and moving and abiding in us. And we have to recognize something. We have to recognize that I cannot be defined by the exterior voices of the world. I've got to be defined by the inner voice of God and the voice of truth that comes from Scripture and the example and the testimony of who Jesus Christ is and who He continues to be as He intercedes right now in heaven on our behalf. And so I've got to come to a place of alignment and agreement where I recognize I am who God says I am. And not only, do I, not only am I who God says I am, but I actually have what God says I have. I have authority and dominion. I have power and position. I have influence and opportunity. Every single day of my life, I have what God says I have. I have a choice. How many you know every day you have a choice? You get to choose how you're going to respond to what happens to you. When all hell breaks loose and everybody makes the wrong choice around you and it negatively and detrimentally impacts your life, guess what? You still have a choice. You still get to choose this day whom you're going to serve. You still get to choose life or death. You still get to choose blessing or cursing. You still get to choose, am I going to operate in God's kingdom or am I going to allow the kingdoms of this world to define me, crush me, and ultimately destroy my life? I am who God says I am. I have what God says I have, and I can do what God says I can do. Right? I can walk in victory. I can walk in holiness. I can walk in purity. I can walk in power. Right? I can have a godly family, and I can walk in righteousness and holiness. I can walk in the fruit of the Spirit. I can have a heart of love. I can have a heart of peace. I can walk in authority and power and dominion over darkness, right? I can do what he says I can do. 
And we recognize that in any culture, there's a language, right? There's the language of a culture. There's, there's the values, the beliefs, and the standards that make up the culture. And so a kingdom culture is literally just bringing all those little pieces together and bringing them into a place of divine alignment in our hearts where we begin to function in unison with the very heart and will of God. So that what Jesus taught us to pray would become a reality in our lives. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on as it is in. And that's what God's after this morning. Amen. So we said there are four expressions of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is internal. We talked about that. The kingdom of God is no longer external rules and regulations. It's the internal ruling and reigning of the Holy Spirit in our life. And I'm just going to take, let me just take, see if I can take 60 seconds, let me say it. Let me tell you why that's so significant for the kingdom of God to be internal. It's so significant because there is a unique expression of God's glory that's supposed to be manifested through your life. Your life as an individual expresses an element of who God is in the earth. Your life becomes a unique expression of his kingdom in the earth. And the reason the kingdom of God is internal is because there's not a one-size-fits-all. See, there's a kingdom culture that envelops all of us and everything that is God and from God and for God. But inside that kingdom culture, there are unique expressions of God's kingdom being manifested in our lives. Aren't you glad everybody doesn't grow up and become a lawyer? Aren't you glad everybody doesn't grow up and become a doctor? Aren't you glad everybody doesn't come up and grow up and become a pastor, become a factory worker? We're all different. We're different in the natural because we're different in the spiritual. There is a kingdom purpose for your life. And it is that internal working of the Holy Spirit in your life that expresses that kingdom culture. I was thinking about the fact, just a simple thought, that if everybody was architects and we didn't have no contractors, we'd have beautiful designs, but we'd all live under a tree. Right? If everybody was an architect, but there was no contractors and there were no builders, we'd have these beautiful designs, but we'd all be living under trees. You know why? Because we need a unique expression of the fullness of who God is in our lives. And your life matters. And you are significant. And you are important. And you are valuable. And we don't ever have to compare ourselves among ourselves. The Bible says those that compare themselves among themselves are not wise. Why? Because all of a sudden out of comparison comes jealousy and envy. Out of comparison comes insecurity. All of a sudden I begin to compare myself to other people and I don't make as much money as them so now I feel less than. Or I'm not as educated as them so now I feel less than. Or I don't have the things they have so now I feel less than. Or it seems like God's using them in bigger ways than he's using me and now I feel less than. And all of a sudden we fall into a scheme and a strategy of the enemy that minimizes who you are in Christ instead of maximizes your potential in Jesus Christ. So you've got to have a kingdom culture. You've got to begin to align ourselves into that idea. And that comes out of the Word of God, the, the nature and character of Christ. But it also comes out of that internal working of the Holy Spirit. How I many know oh, we need weird and different? If you haven't figured it out yet, you are weird and different. I'm just helping you. I am weird and I'm different. You are weird and you are different. And the Lord applauds it. Because weird and different 
under the leadership and direction of the Holy Spirit reveals the glory of God in the earth. And all of a sudden, we don't all look alike and we don't all, quote, act alike, but we are all united in heart and purpose because the kingdom of God lives within us. And I'm free to be happy to be who I am and not feel less than because I'm not doing what you're doing. That's powerful. We live in a world of so much insecurity and so much comparison. And our social media culture magnifies that right now. We know, we know everything about everybody, at least all the good things or all the perceived things. It amazes me. It amazes me. We, we just had some family pictures made last week. and Miss Haley's here. She took her pictures last week for us. And, and I hadn't seen the pictures yet, but we stood out behind the old downtown campus in front of those ugly rundown buildings and grass is growing it's not manicured it's not taken care of I mean I wouldn't want to camp out there surely wouldn't want to live there but in those pictures we're going to look the bomb I mean it's going to be amazing I mean she's going to take that picture and it's going to be like wow man that looks like the perfect family Kids are screaming and yelling and fighting and all that wonderful stuff happening. And we, bam, in that little picture, we all look perfect and beautiful. And that rundown shack of a worn-out, abandoned old building somehow makes this beautiful backdrop that says, ah. <laughs> and our social media world has created those images and ideas which has fed into the insecurity of an entire generation. And the younger you are, the more you feel it. And the younger you are, the more you're impacted by it. And the younger you are, the more you know that it's real. And we have got to recognize as a church, as believers, as the body of Christ, that if we, we, we have to be so intentional to be so rooted and grounded in Christ, we have to be so intentional to celebrate the, the uniqueness of who God made us to be. In, in the context of the culture, in the context of holiness, in the context of purity, I'm not talking about sinful living. I'm not talking about rebellious living. I'm not talking about wicked living. I'm talking about the unique expression of who you are. And when we begin to value that and you begin to celebrate that in your own life, amazing things will happen. And all of a sudden, you'll find, you'll find a pleasure in being you. That's a good thing. You ought to be happy about being you because there's only one you. And if you're not happy about being you, nobody else probably will be. But if you learn how to be happy about being you, all of a sudden other people will start celebrating the uniqueness of who you are. That was all extra and free. Praise the Lord. Now back to the notes. Come on, somebody. The kingdom of God is internal. The kingdom of God is spiritual. We talked about that last week. The kingdom of God is physical. That's what we're going to talk about today. And the kingdom of God is eternal. The kingdom of God is an all-consuming fire that will not stop until the entire world is redeemed. We're going to look deeper into that statement in a couple of weeks when we talk about the internal element of the kingdom of God. Look with me in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Matthew 6, 33 says, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. 
Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Look at that next point, and we're going to break down Matthew 6, 33 just a little bit more. So let's talk about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is physical because the kingdom of God is supernatural. The kingdom of God releases, think about this, physical provision through spiritual power. It creates a supernatural override. The kingdom of God is physical because the kingdom of God is supernatural. The kingdom of God releases physical, natural, tangible provision into our lives through spiritual power. Literally, the supernatural overrides the natural, releasing everything that we need to do what do everything God has called us to do. So Matthew 6, Jesus says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. I'm going to give you some homework. Go home and read the beginning few verses of Matthew 6. If you'll back up about five, six verses, you'll find out that Jesus is talking about what are the things that he says God will give us if we'll seek first the kingdom of God. You know what they are? They're food, their clothing, and their shelter. Food, clothing, and shelter. The physical necessities of life. So listen to what Jesus said. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things, all the physical, natural things that you need to live, to function, to succeed, to exist in your life will be given to you. Every now and then I'll meet somebody that say, well, Pastor Keith, you realize God is not really interested. You can't pray prayers about money. You can't pray prayers prayers about natural things because God's just interested in the spiritual. That's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things that you need will be added to you. The food, the clothing, the provision, the protection, everything you need, the Bible says, for life and godliness has been given to us through the exceedingly great and precious promises of God so that through Christ Jesus we can have access to everything that we need. Let me just tell you something. God cares about your natural needs. God cares about the electric bill, the water bill, the gas bill. He cares about your car. He cares about your groceries. He cares about everything. He wants you to be clothed and well fed and well taken care of. How many know he's a good father. How many know there's no such thing as a good father that wants his children to do without? Good fathers provide for their children. Good fathers meet the needs of their children. Good fathers actually go above and beyond what we need and actually give us what we want. I would dare to say almost every family in this room is living way above need. Think about it. I dare to say every family in this room is living way above need. You and your kids don't just have what they need. They have more than what they need. They have not only what they need, what they couldn't even think they needed, and then what they want to. And you know what Jesus said? He said, if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more well, your heavenly father, he, in that statement, he specifically says, give the Holy Spirit to those who ask of him. You know what happens when you receive the Holy Spirit? You enter into the kingdom. You know what else Jesus said about the kingdom? He said, it's my father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. The king's domain and the king's dominion. When you live in the kingdom, you know what happens? You live in a place of provision. You live in a place of protection. And you live in a place of more than enough. 
That's the kingdom. I love saying this little phrase, God's not broke, busted, or disgusted. I just love saying that. I don't know why, but I love it. I guess I love it because it's true. God is not broke, busted, or disgusted. And in the kingdom of God, there's more than enough. In the kingdom of God, there's no lack. In the kingdom of God, there's provision. In the kingdom of God, there's more than enough to meet your need and enable you to not only meet your need, care for your family, but actually God gives you so much that you now have an overflow to begin to bless other people. Because God never intends the blessing to stop with me or you. Amen? Let me, let me just echo something. John Wesley thanked all you guys for giving. And, and, and I, I'm just, I just want to echo. Let me just say one thing. The Holy Spirit prompted this in my heart early. He said, Keith, he said, you know, every now and then we'll, we'll say stuff like this. People will say, well, Pastor Keith, you know, I don't really have to give my money because I can give my time and I can give my talents. And you're exactly right. You can give your time and your talents. But let me tell you why it's important that you give your money. When you give your money, your money creates a place for your time and your talents to operate. If Liberty Church don't exist, you're not adopting a backpack. If Liberty Church don't exist, you're not singing on the worship team. You're not leading a small group. You're not working in media. You're not taking care of kids, training them in the ways of the Lord. If Liberty Church doesn't exist... You're not reaching out and raising people up seven days a week through our outreach ministries. If Liberty Church doesn't exist, then you're not helping our counseling ministry counsel people and help people overcome hurts and pains and habits. If Liberty Church doesn't exist, Celebrate Recovery is no longer there. So yes, we've got to give our time and our talents, but it's when we give our money that our money creates a place for our time and our talents to be used. And let me just tell you the good news about God. God's not broke. God's not busted. God's not disgusted. And in the kingdom of God, there's more than enough. And here, here's the problem. When we get greedy with our time, talent, or our money, it's because we're not operating in a kingdom mentality. See, the, the mentality of the world is a mentality of scarcity. The mentality of the world says there's not enough to go around, so i got to get my piece of the pie, and if I want extra, i got to get your piece of the pie. Because there's not enough pie to feed everybody. Let me tell you, in the kingdom of God, the pie never runs out. And I like banana pudding, so let's call it banana pudding. I mean, it's like the widow's oil and meal. You just keep scooping, and it keeps coming. And you just keep scooping, and it keeps coming. And the only way the provision stops is that you stop operating in the kingdom. The scripture we read this morning, John Wesley read to us, says that those who see the needs of the poor and give to them, they will never lack. But those who see the needs of the poor and turn their eye away from them, they'll be cursed. You know why? You know how you're cursed? You're cursed because you disconnect yourself from the kingdom, which is where the provision of God flows. And now you're going to have to survive off your own merit. And your raise is going to be totally determined just by how hard you work. Now, some of us are real prideful and we'll say, well, Pastor Keith, I work really hard. I deserve that race. Maybe you do, but probably not all of them. But all of a sudden, all of a sudden, you operate in a kingdom mentality and you step into a place of provision that's greater than anything we've ever imagined. And now our lives become a wellspring of life, giving life to other people, and out of us flows rivers of living water. And we get to be generous souls. 
And I, and I say, we say it's like Liberty Church is the most generous church I know. And I want to thank you again for being generous. But I want to remind you this morning that that generosity flows out of a kingdom culture that we embrace in our lives. Amen? So let's look in Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11, and we're going to read through verse 23, but we're going to kind of dissect it as we go. Luke chapter 11 says this, And he, speaking of Jesus, was casting out a demon, and it was mute. So when the demon had gone out, the mute person spoke, and the multitudes marveled. But some of them said he cast out demons by Beelzebub, the ruler of demons, and others testing him, sought from him a sign from heaven. But he, knowing their thoughts, said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and a house divided against a house will fall. So I want you to look at that next point. God's kingdom is not divided, and God is not bipolar. A double-minded man will not receive anything from the Lord. In Mark 11, where we started, Jesus said the kingdom of God is at hand. And then he said this, so repent and believe the gospel. Repent, return to the high place. Change the way you think. Come into alignment and agreement with God and then believe the gospel. We've got to align and agree. We've got to align our thinking and agree our hearts with God. Why? Because Jesus said the kingdom, a kingdom divided against itself cannot stand. So guess what? The kingdom of God's not divided. And God's not bipolar. And the reason I put that in there, I thought it would get your attention. I hope it did. Because I think way too many Christians have a bipolar view of God. What do I mean by that? Well, when tragedy happens, you'll listen to Christians and they'll say, Man, I don't know why God let this happen to me. I got cancer. Why did God do this to me? I'm going through a divorce. Why did God do this to me? I've lost my job. Why did God do this to me? And every time something bad happens, Christians tend to point their finger at God and accuse the Lord of somehow being the source behind the suffering that is in their life. Let me give you a great way to evaluate the heart, the character, and the will of God. His name is Jesus. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So I want you to hear this. Jesus' life was a perfect expression of the heart of God, the will of God, and the kingdom of God. Jesus healed the sick. So Jesus said, based on this teaching, a kingdom divided against itself cannot stand. So if God's making people sick and then healing sick people, how do you know that's bipolar and messed up? God is not bipolar and God is not messed up. He's not afflicting you with sickness just so he can come along and heal you six months later and get some praise. Think about it. If I did that to you, if I gave somebody cancer and then six months later I healed them of cancer just so they'd praise me, you'd say, Keith, you're messed up. But yet we do that to God. We acknowledge or we, we, uh, uh, we appoint to the Lord the suffering and the pain that we know right as Christians. We know here at Liberty Church, sin, self, and suffering is the root of all sorrow and pain in our world. Not God. He's good. He's a good father. 
And so I can look at the life of Jesus, and the life of Jesus exemplifies the very heart of God, the will of God, the purpose of God, the plan of God. And so this is what has to happen. I can't be double-minded. James says a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways, and let not that man think that he will receive anything from God. When I'm double-minded, I'm, 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 my loyalty, NLT says, my loyalty is divided. In one part, I'm, I'm saying God's my healer. In another part, I'm saying, God, why'd you do this to me? One part, I'm saying God's my restorer. In another part, I'm saying, God, why are you doing this to me? One part, I'm saying, God, I trust you. In another part, I'm saying, God, why did you do this to me? And all of a sudden, we have a double-minded mentality that robs us. Of the blessing of God. It keeps us from receiving what God has in our lives. Let, let me just read that scripture out of James. I quoted it, but let me read it to you. I want, I want you to hear it. James 1. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God who gives liberally to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith, not doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose he will receive anything from the Lord. For he is a double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. This is what happens when I'm double-minded. I step into the kingdom, but I don't fully receive what God has, and I step back out in the world. I'm healed. I don't know if I'm really going to be healed. I'm delivered. I'm not sure if God can really deliver me. My marriage is going to be restored. I'm not sure if God even cares. And all of a sudden, we live, we're living in two worlds, and there's no strength, and there's no stability, and there's no power in that place of double-mindedness. Now, let, let me tell you what double-minded is not. Let, let, me, let me just make this real clear. Somebody come up to me after the last service and asked me this. They said, Pastor Keith, so being double-minded, a, a gentleman was battling with some sickness in his body. He said, does that mean I take my medicine? Does that mean I go to the doctor? I said, absolutely, 100%, yes. See, a single-minded man says, I believe it's the will of God to heal me. So I'm going to do everything physically, spiritually, emotionally, and mentally I can do to be healed. Right? A single-minded, kingdom-minded person says, I believe it's God's will to bless me and prosper me financially. So that means I'm going to get up every day and go to work. See, think about that for just a second. If, if somebody said, I'm believing God, and people do this every now and then, I'm believing God's going to provide for me, so I'm just going to stay home and trust the Lord to provide what I need, we'd say, you're crazy, you're going to go hungry. Because the Bible also says if a man doesn't work, he shouldn't eat. So we say that faith is believing that God is our provider and faith is getting up and going to work every day. That's faith. So faith is believing God is my healer and faith is doing everything I can do in the natural to be healed. And if I can lose weight and get in shape to be healthier, I'm going to do it. If I can go to the doctor and they prescribe me, if I can lay on a table and they can run a heart cath in there and put three stents in my heart, then praise God, I'm going to be healed. God's my healer, right? And I'm not going to resist that. I'm not going to be double-minded. See, what happens? We get double-minded, and we feel like I can't pursue naturally the things that I need and still be in faith. No, the fact that I'm pursuing healing or the fact that I'm going to work is both evidence that I'm in faith. I believe it's the will of God to provide for me, so I'm going to go to work. I believe it's the will of God to heal me, so I'm going to do everything in my natural man that I can. Now, the Holy Spirit tells you to stop taking medicine, stop taking medicine. Holy Spirit tells you he's going to do something, then let him do something. But until you hear that word, do everything you can do to walk in alignment with God. He is a good father, amen? So God's not double-minded. Somebody say, praise the Lord. 
Luke 11, verse 18. If Satan is divided against himself, his kingdom will, will not... How will his kingdom stand? Because you say, I cast out demons by Beelzebub. And if I cast out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore, they will be your judges. Look at verse 20. But if I cast out demons by the finger of God, then surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. If I cast out demons by the, by the finger of God, then surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. Look at that next point. Spiritual shifts create physical manifestations. Spiritual shifts create physical manifestations. When Jesus cast out that demon out of that young boy, guess what happened? Physically, he was healed. Now, every sickness is not, quote, spiritual in the sense that there's a spirit of infirmity. But we do understand, listen to this, that all sickness and all disease comes from the curse of sin. Let me say that again. All sickness and all disease comes from the curse of sin. Adam and Eve's original sin brought the curse of sin and death upon all humanity. And we all have been infected and impacted by that. But, but because of the blood of Jesus, come on somebody, we have a new covenant with God. We have access to enter into the presence of God. And there is healing and there is hope and there is redemption and there is salvation and there is transformation that happens. And when there's a shift in the spirit, there is a physical manifestation that comes to become a reality. This church is filled with testimonies. Drug addicts and alcoholics are no longer drug addicts and alcoholics. Can I get an amen? And you know what's crazy? What's crazy is their breakthrough came. They were saved, set free, and delivered from drugs and alcohol by faith in what Jesus Christ has did for each and every one of us. And when they came to that place of alignment, all of a sudden there was a physical manifestation. When they went out of being double-minded into being kingdom-minded, there was a deliverance that came. And the truth is, every person in this room, every breakthrough you've ever got, every miracle you've ever experienced was directly related to the fact that you came into a place of alignment with God where you begin to believe and receive what He's already said we've been given. Every time. And every time there's a shift in the spirit, there's something that happens physically in the flesh. Spiritual shifts create physical manifestations where the power of God is released into our lives. And what you've already experienced through faith is how we continue to experience by faith what God wants to do in our lives. We have to believe to receive that God is good. Come on, somebody. And we've got to come into that place of alignment. Let, let me just say this. Last night, we, we went to a little gender reveal party uh, for one of our spiritual daughters, young lady Maria. Her and her husband live in Coleman, going to a great church over there. And, and so we went to this little gender reveal party last night, and they had these little clips, and you had to pick a blue or a pink one, right? And uh, we were in there, and uh, Forrest, Calhoun, Forrest, and Savannah were there, and, and we were talking to Forrest and Savannah, and uh, everybody's saying, well, what do you think it's going to be? What do you think it's going to be? And Forrest said, in my head, I think it's going to be a boy, but in my gut, I think it's going to be a girl. And this morning as I was praying, the Lord reminded me of what he said yesterday, and the Lord said, Keith, he said, most people are about 10 to 12 inches away from their victory. Because in our head... We're listening to the world. In our heart, we hear the voice of God. And we're double-minded. I'm thinking this. 
I'm believing this. I'm thinking this. I'm believing this. I'm thinking this. I'm believing this. That's why that internal spiritual realm of the kingdom is so important because God gives us a knowing. A knowing, right? Have you ever just known? You just knew this was going to work. You knew something was going to change. You knew breakthrough was coming. And this, if we're not careful, if it's not in alignment, right? If our, if our thoughts don't line with our spirit, all of a sudden we get into a double-minded reality that short-circuit what God w- wants to do. And so we've got to make sure that we're in alignment. Why? Because when we're in alignment, a spiritual shift produces physical manifestations. And all of a sudden things begin to happen in the natural because something shifted and changed in the spiritual. And that's huge. The kingdom of God, listen to the rest of that statement. God's kingdom releases God's power to save, to heal, deliver, to redeem, to restore. And nothing is impossible in the kingdom of God. The Bible is filled with these stories, right? Nothing's impossible. The dead people get up. The sick people get healed. The blind people see. The mute people talk. The barren women bear children, right? The two fish and five loaves feed 5,000 people. Just counting men. And everybody knows there's always more women and children at church than there are men. You know why? Because the supernatural overrides the natural and releases the provision of God. Physical, tangible provision. How many know God can multiply your money? God God can make a dollar go a whole lot further than a dollar was ever supposed to go. God can multiply your food. God can multiply your clothes. God can multiply. He can bless your cars, everything that you own. I mean, we just decree and declare. We are tithers and givers. And we declare that the blessing of the Lord is upon everything that we own. And, Lord, we thank you that we rebuke the devourer in the name of Jesus. Let me tell you one little story. We're going to move on. We'll tell you a story later. Luke 11, let's read on. Verse 21. And when a strong man, fully armed, guards his own palace, his goods are in peace. But when a stronger than he comes upon him and overcomes him, he takes from him all his armor in which he trusted, and he divides his spoils. God's kingdom, look at the next point, overcomes the enemy, strips the enemy of his armor, and divides the spoil. The kingdom of God enforces the victory of the cross. It heals our hurts. It exposes the lies. It ministers truth. It transforms the physical realm, and it manifests the promises of God in our lives. Jesus said, when a strong man guards a house, everything is protected. But when somebody stronger than him comes... How many of you know that greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world? The strong man lives on the inside of you. And every power and every principality of darkness, every stronghold, every affliction, every tormenting spirit, every anxious spirit, every worried spirit, every depressed spirit, everything of the enemy has to bow and bend at the name of Jesus. And in the kingdom of God, In the kingdom, we come to a place of faith where God's kingdom ushers in the power of the Holy Spirit. And he conquers the strong man. 
It enforces in the kingdom, the cross, the victory of the cross is enforced in our lives. The power of sin and Satan and shame and condemnation is broken and destroyed. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. The power of your past no longer has authority over your present. That's the power of the kingdom. And when we begin to enter into the kingdom, when we begin to align, right? We align with God's word. We align with Jesus. We come into agreement with God. All of a sudden, the kingdom comes and the victory of the cross is enforced. And he begins to strip away the armor that the enemy used to, used to hide behind to protect himself. Let, let me just give you something today. Satan hides. You, you, let me say it like this. Your deepest place of pain is his place of protection. Your hurts, your unhealed hurts, your unhealed wounds, the trauma from your past that still haunts and plagues your mind is the armor that he hides behind. That's where his wall of defense is. He entrenches himself in the deepest place of your pain. You want to know why unforgiveness and bitterness and resentment in your heart is such a dangerous and deadly thing? Because it gives place to the devil in your heart. It opens a door to the kingdom of darkness and, uh, instead of the kingdom of light. And all of a sudden, Satan begins to steal, kill, and destroy. But when you invite Jesus in, and you begin to repent and begin to agree with God, and you begin to walk in what God calls us walking. I just start forgiving people. You know why we forgive people? The Bible says we don't forgive people because they deserve to be forgiven. We forgive people because God in Christ forgave us. They don't deserve it. No more than you do. I mean, let's be honest. We're not all angels in here. We've all inflicted some wounds on other people ourselves. We've all said things and did things that we should have said, never said, and we should have never did. Nobody deserves to be forgiven. But we forgive others because Christ and God forgave us. And when I, when I repent, when I change the way I think and I realize forgiveness, I realize that forgiveness doesn't free them. Forgiveness frees me. Then all of a sudden, I, I begin to walk in forgiveness. And you know what happens? God begins to heal my heart. And that bitterness and that resentment that has robbed me of joy, robbed me of peace, robbed me of life, begins to be stripped away. And literally, God strips away the armor of the enemy because he begins to heal our hearts and heal our hurts. He begins to expose the lies of the enemy. Every lie that you and I have ever believed about ourselves, about others, or about God becomes a piece of armor the devil hides behind. And the lies of insecurity and the lies of fear and the lies that I can't trust anybody and I can't let anybody in and nobody will ever understand. All those lies of the enemy Satan uses to keep us in bondage, to keep us in prison. But when the stronger man comes, Jesus is a stronger man. Come on, somebody. He strips away the armor. He heals the hurts. He ministers truth to our lives. And all of a sudden, physical manifestations, he begins to redeem. He begins to restore. He begins to put things back together. One of the things I love about being a part of Celebrate Recovery is you see people who spent 30 years trying to destroy their life through addiction. And in a matter of just a few short years, God will restore everything they destroyed. 
It's amazing. It's, they spent 30 years destroying everything that was good in their life. And in a matter of months and a few years, God begins to restore and rebuild. You know why? Because there was not a shift in the natural. There was a shift in the spiritual that began to manifest the victory of Christ, that began to manifest the healing of God, that began to heal their hearts, began to redeem their souls, began to expose the lies. And before you know it, that person that was once bound by addiction is now standing in victory, and they got their lives back because that's the kingdom. That's the kingdom of God. One last scripture, one last point. The kingdom of God is unshakable and immovable, but always advancing. We are either moving with it or against it. There is no neutral ground. Jesus said, he who is not with me is against me, and he who does not gather with me scatters abroad. The kingdom of God is unshakable and unmovable, always advancing. The Lord gave me just this image this morning as I was praying. He said, Keith, the kingdom of God is like a river, a rushing river. And you can ride the river or you can resist it. You can ride the river or you can resist it. And he said, there's no neutral ground. You're either flowing with God or you're standing against God. And here's what's interesting about our multi-complex lives. There can be areas in my life where I'm flowing with a river. And I can see the good things God's doing. And then there can be areas in my life where I'm resisting what God's doing. And God in his mercy and his grace never condemns us for our resistance. But he convicts us of those things that are holding back the kingdom. Those things that are keeping us from flowing in the river of life. Those things that are hindering us from moving in what he really wants us to move into. And there's an invitation this morning. There's an invitation right now just to, just to move in the river of God. There's an invitation to say, God, I just want to get in alignment with you this morning. So I want to ask our prayer teams to come. I'm going to ask everybody just to go ahead and stand to your feet this morning. Y'all have patiently listened this morning. Thank y'all. For just a moment, we're going to go into a final song of worship. But I want to, I want to ask you, just bow your heads for just a minute. And I want to ask you today, is there any area in your life, if you're here today and you're a Christian, I realize most of the people in this room today are Christians, you're in the kingdom. But maybe you realize today, maybe you realize there's some double-mindedness. Maybe you've realized there's some areas maybe where you've just resisted what God's trying to do in your life. And you know in your heart He's trying to take you somewhere good. But you're just holding on to some things. Maybe it's a hurt. Maybe it's bitterness. Maybe it's, maybe it's some kind of little pet sin that you're just trying to hold on to. You've justified it and you've condoned it. And, but you know it's the very thing that's keeping you from moving forward. Right now, I just want to open the altar up. And if you need prayer, you want somebody to agree with me, let's just break those things today. Let's, let's break the resistance. Let's break those strongholds. Let's, let's repent of any double-mindedness in our life. And let's say, today, God, I just want to come into agreement with you.
God, I just want to come into agreement. I don't want to lower the standard. I don't want to compromise. I don't want to waver. I don't want to be like a, a ship that's tossed to and fro. God, I want, to, I want to be settled and I want to flow today. Maybe that's just your heart. God, I, I want to just flow in the room. Maybe, maybe you're seeing God do amazing things, but you know there's more. And you just want to say, God, I just want to come and continually come into agreement with you. If there's any area in your life this morning you need prayer, we'd love to pray with you. Our altar's open right now. You just slip out. Our prayer teams are here. They'd love to pray with you and agree with you. Let's come into agreement and alignment today. We are who he says we are. We have what he says we have, and we can do what he says we can do. And if you're not walking in that today, we would love to pray with you this morning and just help you take that step. The next thing I want to do before we sing is simply this. If you're here today and you don't know Christ, you're, you're not a Christian, you're not in the kingdom. Maybe you're watching online this morning and you realize, Pastor Keith, I've never been born again. I've never experienced that indwelling, empowering presence of God in my life. And today I want to be saved. Today I want to be born again. I want to accept Jesus into my heart and my life. If that's you right now, I want you just to, just a simple act of faith, just raise your hand. Say, Pastor Keith, today I want to be saved. Today I want to accept Christ. Today I want to be born again. And I want to ask Jesus to be the Lord of my life. If that's you, just slip your hand up. We'd love to pray with you this morning. We'd love to welcome you today into the very kingdom of God. God loves you, sent his son for you. His will is life, and his heart is good. So I want us just to pray this prayer together out loud. Let's just say it together, all of us, this morning. If you're here today and you want to be saved, you could pray this prayer with us. If you're watching online, you can pray this prayer. Let's just say it, Dear Heavenly Father. I believe. Jesus died on the cross for my sins and rose again on the third day. I confess my sins. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart and my life. Be my Lord and my Savior. I want to be born again. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, welcome to the family. Amen. We're so glad to have you and so thankful for what God has done. If you prayed that prayer, maybe you didn't raise your hand. I'd love to talk to you after church. I'd love to hear what God did in your life this morning.